if you can't see me, just shout. I'm so glad you're here. I want to welcome those who are watching online. Vineyard, I know you just clapped, but let's do one more clap for those joining us online. We're glad you're here. We love you. Uh, we enjoy worshiping with you. And so uh, tonight, if you want to get out your outlines, the greeter team handed that out as you were coming in. If you didn't get one, you can raise your hand and they'll bring you one. We're talking about worship and praise tonight. And so I want to actually begin with a question about worship and praise. And uh, here's the question I wanted to start. It's important. Do you know what mice and Christians have in common? It's, it's serious. They both worship Jesus. Cheese, Jesus. I, thank you. <laughs> I had to get in one. I had to get in one joke. I, Olivia, my wife, didn't get a chance to look over my notes. She, she, she probably would have striked that one. So. No, uh, seriously, I do want to talk about worship and praise. It's an important topic. And, you know, over the years of ministry, I've talked about this many, many times with many people, and there's a lot of misconceptions around it. And so I want to take tonight to talk through this topic with you. And, you know, I really believe, it might just be me, but I like to be told the why. You know, not just, hey, do this, and I don't understand it. I like to be told the why so I can be brought along in the process. And so that's what I want to do with you tonight is actually talk you through the why we do worship the way we do here at Vineyard, the why we see worship the way it is in the Bible. And here's why that's important is because your whys determine your direction. Let me say it this way. Your whys determine your decision, decisions. When you know what you're doing, but it's not just, okay, hey, I, you know, know I'm supposed to do that. No, when you actually know why, you can move in that direction. That, that makes sense. Let me, let me throw up some. So I want to give you some whys tonight on your outline. This is the first one right off the bat. Why we do worship the way we do it here at Vineyard and why we see it the way we see it in the Bible. Here's the very first one. The why we do worship the way we do it is because God asked for it. God asked for it. See, and this one's important. I really want to get this point across, especially to some of my younger crew in the, the congregation tonight. And this is important because the enemy's really been trying to sell this lie. And that is that, here, here's the truth, God, when he is God, he gets to call the shots. We can't pick and choose what aspects we like about God. And I see that going on a lot with culture, and it's a, it's a lie the enemy's sold us. That, hey, the, we can choose some aspects to follow of our Christian faith and not others. And that the world's debating and with cultural topics what's right and what's wrong. And the truth is, there really is no debate. You can't pick and choose. God, God set the direction. God decides what's right and wrong. And so if you don't want to do it his way, and that means all of his way, he's really not your God anymore. It's just a convenient religion on Sunday. That's really, I'm sorry, I hope I'm not stepping on toes, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach a little bit tonight. So, but this is important because you got to start here. If you can't get this, you can't go forward in it. I mean, you've got to know that uh, when God asks us to do something, we, we follow it. That's what being a Christian means. And really, this is so important because there's a part of me that if the Bible described worship as coming to church and balancing a pencil on my nose, I would do it. I'm, I'm going to do it. So we follow what the Bible says. God sets direction for us. And he doesn't just ask for it once in the Bible. Like, here's worship, just a side note. It's all throughout the Bible. There's a whole book dedicated to worship. It's the book of Psalms. 
It's 150 chapters all about psalms. It's about praise and worship. And it doesn't say anywhere in there, hey, if you're feeling it or if this is your worship song, then you can jump in. No, it doesn't say that. Let's look what it says. It actually says right off the bat, praise the Lord. And this is the, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And this Hebrew, the grammatical uh, word for this, it's actually a command. Do this. So it's not if you choose. It's do. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his, not just in your heart, right? Deep down in my heart. No, it's in his sanctuary, in, in public, in here. When we're singing, you sing. When we're clapping, you clap. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Goes on, Psalm. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. We heard a little of that tonight. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. And that's not a person who tells lies. That's it's an instrument, okay? Just <laughs> we're going deep. <laughs> Praise him with the timbrel and, uh-oh, uh-oh, dancing, some dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. In other words, audio's going to have it a little loud. Not just loud, but we're going to let that bad boy resound. I mean, it's going to be up there. Let everything that has breath, that's us, praise the Lord. And then in case we didn't get it, it says it again, praise the Lord. So it's not what praise is to me. No, actually praise, when we see it in the Bible, uh, we we don't get to interpret it. This is actually a Hebrew word. There's seven different, we see praise over and over again in the Old Testament. But in the Hebrew, the original language, there's actually seven different Hebrew words for praise. And this one is hallel. If you want to write that down, it's hallel. That's where we get our word hallelujah from. And even, we've even lost what that is. You know, you hear hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I mean, it's so somber, but that's actually not what that word is. I want to show you the halal definition. It's straight out of the lexicon, which every pastor has this in their library. It's a dictionary of the Greek and Hebrew words, because that's what the Bible was written in. This is straight out of the dictionary, cut and paste. Halal, it's to shine, hence to make a show, to boast, and thus to be, I love this, clamorously foolish, to rave, to celebrate. That sounds like watching a, a, a Nuggets Miami Heat game to me. I mean, right? <laughs> I mean, that's like Sunday football. I, you know, when I read Psalms, so often I see when I'm reading Psalms and just how the Bible describes worship and praise, I see it unfortunately more in our culture what like something in the water is doing versus Sunday morning church. And I think we're missing it. Praise should be fun. It's fun. It shouldn't be this somber thing where just. We reflect, and, we, and there's a place for that, and there's a space for that. But there should be a part of praise and worship where we have fun with God, where we enjoy it. So I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to raise my hands, clap my hands, raise my arms, the field goal. I've talked about this before. And I'm just going to go all in. Why? Because God asked me to. And that's enough for me. I don't need any more. But I thought I'd give you a few more reasons. So here's another reason why. We worship the way we do because praise is my purpose. Praise is my purpose. God created you for this purpose, believe it or not. It says it this way in the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, for his pleasure we were created. So we sing, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb who was slain. We worship him because it brings pleasure to him. That's a key part of worship, believe it or not. Let me make this practical for you. Church isn't just for you. 
there is a hope I have and a prayer I have for you where you come, you get encouraged, you learn the Bible, but you can't come thinking, well, I hope the message is good tonight. I need, I need, I need a good message. I hope they play those songs I like or else I can't really get into worship. I mean, they got to play those oldies. I mean, we're missing it. We really are. There's a key part. I, I, I do want you to receive, don't get me wrong, but there's a key part where we come to church for the glory of Jesus. We're actually honoring God, and it brings him pleasure when we worship him. It says this in First Peter, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And then the next part of the verse tells us why we are that. It says that you may, let's say it together, declare, declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. So we're supposed to be excited about God in front of people. It's true. When we're excited about God in front of people, it actually witnesses to others. No, no, some say, no, that actually turns them off if we're too, too, you know, too much, too excited about it. Uh, yeah, I'm telling you, that's not true. I go, you know, we do Grow Track every Sunday, and I usually try to pop in there. And in step one, we usually will ask, hey, what do you like, you know, best about Vineyard? And the most common answer we hear is, I like the feel. I, li- I like the friendliness of just people and, and what's going on here. And I love seeing people, like, high-fiving each other and giving hugs and raising their hands during worship, that ju- it's just got a cool feel here. Friends, it witnesses to others when we love each other and when we are excited about loving God. Dream teamers, when you high-five other dream teamers, when you raise your hands during worship, you are witnessing to other people. Don't miss that. That's huge. So this Sunday, when the pastor's praying and hands go up, you're a part of that. You need to know that, Okay. You are being an extension of the good news of Jesus Christ when you love others in this church. The Bible says that too. And when you love Jesus, when you express it. It is. When we become a church that expresses our love for God in public displays of affection, God, I love you. I'm telling you, the world will come to see what it's about. They will. Because the Holy Spirit in you is attractive. People want it. They might not know what it is, but they want it. They see a hope in you is how the Bible describes it, right? That's important. Does that make sense? That's important. So even on days when we don't feel like it, we worship because we're witnessing, right? So that's a key part. Here's the third reason why we worship the way we do. We do it simply because for who God is. Sometimes I think, I know I do, I forget how great God actually is. I forget how powerful he is. And I just need to worship him simply because of that. To help you understand this, you know, I wanted to share, uh, if you've ever seen on TV, you know, they do celebrity golf tournaments. Has anybody ever seen that? Where they'll have these celebrities come out and do some golf, and some of them are actually pretty good. And then some, some of them are not good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not big into golf. I'm not very good at it. But I like watching uh, this because I actually like the people dynamics that take place and it's particular with the celebrities who are not the greatest golfer it's so funny because you know the camera will be on them and they'll hit the ball and it's a bad shot it's bad but there's like grown men surrounding <laughs> yes so good you were this close it's like way off in the woods it's like what and then the camera will cut it and like the, the person like t- the celebrity tells a joke and it's probably not that funny but everybody <laughs> they're laughing and 
And you, you really, it's funny, you know it's because they're a celebrity, right? It's just for who they are. Well, guess what? Great is the Lord, and for that reason alone, he's worthy of our praise. God is worthy of our praise just because he is great alone. His greatness no one can fathom. Great is the Lord, here it is again, and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. For great is the Lord, let's say it together, and most worthy of praise. All throughout the Bible, we praise him simply just for who he is. He's God, he deserves it. He deserves it, he's God. Another reason we act the way we do around here when we worship is because for what he's done. And this one might help a lot of you to step into the praise and worship the way we see it in the Bible and the way we do it here at Vineyard. See, I, I think some people, I've had conversations, and they're not trying to be ugly or mean, but they, they don't understand it, and so they critique it, and, you know, they sometimes say things that aren't very nice. They, Man, those people in the front row, they're, they're getting a little out of hand, or <laughs> this guy at the end of my aisle, can somebody talk to him? He's a little wild here. And... <laughs> and the reality is, though, they don't know that that guy at the end of your aisle was a drug addict, and then he encountered Jesus, and he can't help but praise Jesus now. So it's simply for what he's done, and now we're worshiping him because I'm completely free. You know, the religious in the Bible mocked the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears. What, a, what an intimate thing, with her tears and her hair. And the religious were like, Jesus, that, that's a little over the top, isn't it? You know what Jesus said to them? He said, he who has been forgiven much loves much. So when people are talking to me about that and they, they're missing the worship point, it's either because they haven't been forgiven yet or they've forgotten how much they were forgiven. So when I'm sitting here praising, worshiping, clapping my hands, I love the worship, but more so when I get into that intimate place, it's because I remember Years ago, I was in a place living selfishly for me. Li my life was going nowhere. I was failing school, addicted to drugs and alcohol, and I was not going anywhere. I was living selfishly. I had no purpose in life. Let me tell you how depressing that is, how much anxiety that has. It's a painful place. And to know where I am today because Jesus stepped into my life and reclaimed me, a chosen people. So I worship him for that, for what he's done for me. That's key. So when I worshiped, when Bernicia was doing communion, it brought me back to that place because that's what sanctifies me. And the enemy, he'll try to bring up those things, right? No, they're covered in the blood of Christ. And so when we worship, we remember that. We go to that place. We thank Jesus for what he's done. I've been set free, and this is how I show it. It says this in Luke. The whole crowd of disciples burst into enthusiastic praise over all the mighty works they had witnessed Jesus do. And I'll go so far to say that they experienced it themselves too. But then the church crowd came, uh-oh, and they said, come on, Jesus, get your disciples under control. They're a little crazy during worship. You got to calm it down. And what did Jesus say? If they kept quiet, the stones would do it for them, shouting praise. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to let rock take my place. <laughs> so I'm not doing it just because he asked, God asked us to, although that's important, not just for who he is, but I'm doing it for what he has done. That's so intimate, so personal. 
my life is radically changed because of what he's done for me. And if I, that's what heaven looks like, is worshiping Jesus every day. I can't do enough of it. So those first few points were about God, and this next one, why we do worship the way we do, this one's so important because it's about you, okay? If this one's for you, on your outlines. What? Oh. Because worship changes everything. Because worship changes everything. All right, now I'm going to go back and tell you what that was about. Real quick. Okay. So, oh. So, the stones, I want to share. So, we do get crazy during worship, right? And so, you know, I was driving around the other day, and you all live here. If you don't live here, we live in Hampton Roads, and there's a lot of military in the area, and those jets be flying over, and they're kind of loud. And for people who visit or, you know, family comes or new people, it freaks them out sometimes. And so, I saw a sign the other day that said, this, pardon our noise, it's the sound of freedom. I thought it was so funny. And then I thought, man, that's like my worship. <laughs> it's like jet noise to, to some, but it's my freedom. So, hey, worship changes everything. It really does. And I need you to experience this. It's so important. This is the best advice a pastor can give you. Okay, this needs to be in your toolbox because challenging days come. Dark days come. And you need this in your toolbox. You know, one of the most challenging days in my life so far was the day uh, my beautiful daughter Lily was born. You know, uh, just a few years ago, Olivia and I, you know, Lily's coming up on two years old, and we went in for just a routine checkup. We were still a little ways out from uh, delivering Lily, the due date, and the doctors and the nurse told us, hey, you guys are going to be delivering today. So, and it was a month, about a month and a week early, and they were concerned there were some health challenges taking place, and they thought it was safer to, you know, birth the baby early. And so they ended up, we almost delivered that day, but they sent us home, and we came back two days later, and they induced Olivia, and then she proceeded to go through 36 hours of labor. And, uh, yeah, it was a long time, and she's a trooper. But, you know, the most challenging part for both of us, and I, kn- I know for me, was uh, Tuesday morning around 3 a.m., we checked in Sunday night, so we're on hour 30-ish, um, Tuesday around 3 a.m., we had been trying a lot to push the baby out, do different techniques, and nothing was working. The Lily was not moving in the direction she was supposed to. And the nurse was actually clocking out for her shift. And I, I, she's a sweet woman, and I don't think she meant to do this, but kind of her parting comments really set an ominous atmosphere. Uh, you know, she pulled me aside and, you know, said, hey, this is bad. It's not going the right direction. I don't know what we're going to do. This is not good at all. I'm clocking out. And, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's, you know, you're so sleep-deprived. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I don't think she meant to do that. She's very sweet. She ended up coming, checking on us 12 hours later when she checked back in. Very sweet young woman. But words have power. And I was in a, it was a tough place. Olivia had passed out uh, at that point because she's so tired. Her body just needed sleep, and so shut down. And right before she, her body kind of shut down to recover, uh, you know, I've got tears streaming down my face. She said, hey, Samuel, can, let's, can you play some worship music? And, um, whoa, sorry. Um, it, was, it was hard. And so I pulled out our, our little phone and played, um, we have a Pray First playlist we use, and I just popped that on because that's really 
intimate worship songs for us. Cool. And it just started playing. And, um, you know, it was, it was challenging. D- Dorinda, my mother-in-law, sweet woman, started reading scripture. My mom ended up coming there with Pastor Sharon, and she started interceding over us. And about 15, 20 minutes went by, and the atmosphere in the room began to shift. And it wasn't working out, but I started to realize it's going to work out. And I can't explain. I didn't know here, but I knew here. I knew in my nowhere God's in control, and it was going to be okay. It's the power of worship. I call it the glorious exchange. Big problems, small God. Worship, 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 worship. It swaps things. It really does. And three hours later, Lily was born. (laughs) I want you guys to try this. You need it, trust me, because Jesus says in the Bible, challenges will come. I'm sorry, I can't promise you a life without challenges. Jesus said, in fact, following him will cause a little bit more problems. So you need this in your arsenal. Try it in your car. If you get bad news, pop on worship music. It's one of the ways we do spiritual warfare. It's not just for God. Our worship's not just for God. It does something in you as well. It empowers you. The Bible says this, may the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. When you praise and worship, the enemy backs up. I'm telling you. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he, it could have put a period here, but it actually puts a comma, because praise works. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. Every time you face a challenge, there's an opportunity for a glorious exchange. Even tonight, I know some of you are in here who are in the midst of challenging seasons, and I feel I'm in tune with some of your realities because every Saturday I'm here and I'm praying with a lot of you and I read those prayer cards. And when I read those, man, my heart breaks for some of you. You know, I'll start crying. It's, chal- I, it's very challenging what you're going through. But God's promise is that, you know, even though the things around you might be outside of your control, you can tune in internally. You can leave this place changed And that's my heart for you, is that you come in in one condition, and through worship and praise, you leave in a different condition. That's God's promise for you. And so I want to show you this in Scripture. It's a a biblical principle that I could teach a whole series on, but I want to give it to you in one minute. Uh, We see in the Old Testament, often, pictures and patterns for New Testament uh, realities. There's symbols in the Old Testament. And we don't do it according to the rules, but we do it according to the life of the New Testament reality. So one of the rules we see for worship in the Old Testament, and it's actually on many of your Bibles. I'm looking at Ezekiel uh, 46. It actually says at the top, rules for worship. And so what we see, though, here is this symbol. But when the people, it's talking about worship in the Old Testament, but when the people come in through, notice the north, the north gateway to worship the Lord during the religious festival, they must leave by the what gate? South gateway, the opposite gateway. And those who entered through the south gateway must leave through the north gateway. What's going on? They must never leave by the same gateway they came in, but must always use the opposite gateway. What's going on? Well, God's teaching a pattern here that would become a reality. It's a rule here, but it becomes a reality in the New Testament. That we can, and we're living in that. We can come into worship one way and leave a different way. 
and I need you to have this. I need you to get it. It's important. Because you can't control what's going to happen to Olivia sometimes, or Lily, or the delivery, but we can control what's going on in here. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit, our trust, our faith. Right? So, how do we do it? How do we get to this place where we can leave in a different condition? Well, this is the, I talk with the worship team about this very often. There's a way we do worship uh, and, and how we enter the presence of God. It's through praise and worship, and they are different. That's why so often the team will ask, hey, why do we do these songs for song one? Well, there's a reason. They're praise songs. They're not worship songs. We start with praise, and we see praise in the Bible as being a horizontal experience. We, you know, it says we enter his gates with thanksgiving. That means we enter his presence with woohoo! God, you are amazing. You're awesome. We're really singing more about God than to God. See, it's horizontal. I'm actually singing, isn't God great? He's so good. He's faithful. So the key part of praise is I can't do it without you. So if you're not here for song one, I can't praise. I need you here. And what happens, though, is we see in Psalm 95 that after the singing, the shouting, this praise happens, we go to a place where we come down low. We bow down before Jesus. It becomes very intimate, very vertical is how I like to say it. Now it's between me and God. And I'm singing about, you know, me and how he saved me, how he left the 99 to come find the one. It's very intimate. It's very personal. See, God is looking for a particular kind of praise and worship. He gives us all throughout the Bible ways we can approach him. And so we see here Jesus is talking in John, but the time is coming indeed. It's here now when true worshipers, God's looking for a, a type of worship, a way we approach him, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. In other words, God is looking for authentic, heartfelt, sincere worship. Like he sees, wow, they really love me. They're not just saying words. They really mean it. They're engaging with, there's a relational, right? It's not a religion, it's a relationship. This can change your life. And you know, th as I said, this kind of frustrates me because sometimes people, they don't understand. They think you can just go here, go to worship, but you're missing a key part of how we're to approach God, right? We're supposed to start with praise. God, you are amazing. We're thankful for you. We sing how mighty are you. Then we come into a place of worship, right? And it's got to be authentic. So, you know, I see so often, you know, people will challenge that. Hey, it doesn't feel authentic. It feels fake. You know, when Daniel says, put your hands together and says, put them together again even louder. But really what Daniel is trying to do is he's trying to help you engage with Jesus. Like, I'm not going to golf clap God. No, I'm going to give God my, I'm going to put those bad boys together. See, we're trying to take you to a place where you engage with Jesus, where it becomes authentic. And actions lead feelings. Actions lead feelings. So don't wait till you'll feel it because you'll be waiting a long time. <laughs> I'm telling you. So I want to close by giving you a couple of things that might help you worship like this. Okay, Samuel, I get it, but how, uh, how do I do it? Well, I want to give you a couple steps you can start to take. Here's the first one. It's that worship is based on choice, not feeling. And I've kind of said that a couple different ways tonight. I remind the worship team of this one often. It's a choice. It doesn't matter how we feel that Sunday or that Saturday. We don't wait for our favorite song or the certain mood to kick in. No, 
Or even, you know, I'll talk to some, especially on Sundays, they'll be like, man, I can't raise my hand during worship. I did so many bad things last night, I'll be a hypocrite. I'm like, no, 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 you, no way. God wants you to raise your hand. He, he still knows everything you did last night, and your picture is still on his fridge. He loves you. <laughs> he just wants you to pursue him with all your heart. Go after him. It says this in Habakkuk, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. So this is Old Testament, so let's throw in some New Testament examples. Uh, even though my kids are acting up, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, even though I have no money, I'm broke. I'm so broke, I can barely pay attention to the message. <laughs> though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, notice this, it's a choice. Because he he's not feeling it, right? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Underline I will. I will. It's an act of the will. And the next verse actually goes on to say, he, he makes my feet like hind's feet. And the hind's feet is like, uh, if, if you've ever seen like the nature shows, there's those mountain sheep, the mountain goats that God created, <clears throat> that they're real unique looking. They have these huge hind legs, hindquarter legs. Here, I, I got a picture for you so you can see it. And these tiny front legs, really stumpy front legs, and then these huge hindquarter legs. And it allows them to almost scale vertical rocks. I mean, it's really amazing how God created them. In the Bible, in Habakkuk, as I said, it says that in the next verse that worshiping gives you hinds. It gives you this ability to scale, to overcome problems. That's the power of worship. Worship gives you big hindquarters. You need them. And some of you ladies are like, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. No. <laughs> spiritually speaking, spiritually. <laughs> you need big hindquarters, spiritually speaking. When you make worship an act of your will, it's powerful. That's the point. Don't miss. It is powerful when you choose to worship, even though your feelings might not be there. It says this in Hebrews, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly professes his names. So just don't, don't just think about worship in terms of your feeling. The second point I want to share with you is, as I said earlier, Daniel will or Bernice, or who's ever service host, and Parker does a great job. Hey, put your hands together for Jesus. No, now really give Jesus a shout of praise. As I said, what they're trying to do is help you uh, worship with everything you have, to give it all. And that's the second point, is worship with everything you have. We expect this in sports, that they're supposed to leave it all on the field, but then we come to church, and it's like this. I'm going to sit back and receive and I'm telling you, church will be very different for you if you come and you leave it all on the field, if you give everything. And my dream teamers get this. God bless the dream teamers who give not everything, not just in worship, but in serving in the kids' classrooms and serving behind the camera and serving walking people in in the, in the rain with umbrellas. I mean, they're leaving it all on the field. It changes how you worship, how you do church. And to help with this, I want to give a quick story from the Old Testament. King David was traveling. He wasn't in Jerusalem, and he wanted to build an altar to do a sacrifice and worship and praise God, and he wasn't in Jerusalem. So he walks. He needs a place, so he goes into this guy's house, and he's like, hey, I, I want to use this room. I want to buy it from you uh, to build an altar, uh, a sacrifice to the Lord. And the dude's like, yeah, you're the king. You can have that room. You don't have to pay for it. 
Watch what David says in reply. It's powerful. This is David. No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Isn't that good? Don't do worship at the level of your comfort. That's not my style. I prefer the oldies. That's really my, my style. Don't make it based on you. Make it based on God. Leave everything on the field. Let it cost you something. You will experience worship differently. Jesus said it this way. He said, love the Lord your God with what? All, 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 all. I highlighted it. It's important. All, not some, all. And I want to give you the last point, and I promise you, if you worship God this way, it will bless you. And this is important. This is big here at Vineyard, the way we do and what we see in Scripture, is that when we worship God, you should every, every single time expect him to respond. Psalm 22, he inhabits the praises of his people. James says this, come close to God. I want to pause right there. This is important. I'm not asking you to come do Samuel's style of praise and worship. No, no, no. Just come to God. You're saying, oh, that, this is a lot. This is a ton. This is a lot about praise and worship. I'm not sure. Just take one step. We say that all the time. Take your next step. Take one step. I didn't go from just listening to worship to this in one week. It took me years, long time. So you just take one step at a time. Take one step. Here's why, because when you come close to God, what happens? God will come close to you. That's a biblical promise. And so we're going to close with 10 minutes of just ministry time, and we'll be done at 8.30. And um, I asked the audio team to play our Pray First playlist, the one I played uh, with Olivia when uh, we were delivering Lily, and we play it every Saturday, because that playlist, believe it or not, is built on this biblical principle. It starts with praise and moves into worship. And I want you guys to be able to receive prayer, to pray in your seats, to worship. You're welcome to walk around, sit down, whatever you want during mission time. If you have to go, that's totally fine as well. Uh, but let me close with this, and it, it's serious. You are a worshiper because God created you to be a worshiper. So we have to be conscious of what we're worshiping. The enemy, that's Satan, his number one goal is to get your focus off of God. That's his prime agenda. If he can do that, he's won, and he knows it. So we have to be conscious of what we're worshiping, where our passions, our time, our money, our calendar, all of that goes, kind of can give us indicators to that. And it can be noble things, don't get me wrong. But it's important what we worship. Let me say it this way, and we'll be done. Whatever you worship, it'll become an obsession. Whatever you become obsessed with, you start to imitate. And then whatever you imitate, you become. So if you're sitting here today and you don't like who you're becoming, take an inventory of who or what you're worshiping and give worship to the only one who really deserves it, Jesus Christ. Let's do this. The prayer teams can come forward and get set up for ministry time. I'm going to pray to lead us into ministry time. Uh, they can start to play the music now. And then, as I said, I went a minute over, so nine minutes of ministry time. 
uh, we'll be here to pray with you. Uh, but you're welcome to stay in your seat and pray. Get up and pray. Get up and walk worship. Come forward for prayer, uh, and, and we'll do that. Would you bow your heads? Let's, let's transition to ministry time. You can start playing the music. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? Lord, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Yes, Holy Spirit. Lord, we recognize worship changes everything. We acknowledge that. Yeah, I hear that. Lord, in spite of the circumstances, we come to you with expectation. Father, would you meet us where we are at? Yeah, I hear that. Lord, we surrender to you the anxieties. I hear that the suicidal thoughts. We cast that upon you on the cross. Bless Jesus. Come and have your way.